0: Rocket, I'm Kate, and this is V Dougie, Director of Developer Advocacy at GitHub.
1: Hello, thank you for how's having how's it going. Me. Uh, I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, a <laughs> well, for context, it's a Thursday,
0: and uh, yeah, just sort of chugging along through some content today. <laughs> yeah, right. For context, it is a Thursday. Um, awesome. So yeah, tell if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of you know how you got to GitHub. Um, I know it's probably a long, long story, so uh, just kind of give us a couple you know, bullets here. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the high-level bullets is, uh, so I do developer advocacy at GitHub, and I've been here for three and a half years, and how I got to GitHub is because, I mean, how a lot of people use GitHub, I, I use GitHub, uh, I was really interested in GitHub GraphQL API uh, a handful of years ago, and uh, did a conference talk on it, and was invited to speak to GitHub Universe on that same subject. And uh, from doing that talk, uh, I had some conversations. And then, long story short, I was invited to interview and uh, eventually accept an offer at GitHub to be, um, at the time, the first developer advocate. The first developer advocate to kind of don the title. We've always had advocates, the early engineers, uh, all early employees always were advocating for GitHub. Uh, but for specifically the developer relations team, I, I got to join and get to see that team get started.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I mean, it's really hard to think of you know, developers who aren't familiar with what GitHub is. So, I mean, being a developer advocate, uh, GitHub is certainly an achievement and uh, really exciting for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, it, I, I love the role. Um, I, I hate to say this all the time, but the, j- the job's almost too easy um, <laughs> because I don't have to constantly explain what GitHub is and how to use it. Uh, I get to talk right. to users that already, maybe you did a boot camp, maybe you were in college and were part of a class that had you sign up for GitHub. So, like, that problem solved. So I get to show you cool ways to use GitHub and cool interactions and stuff like
0: that. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you do a lot of other things. You're also the host of a lot of podcasts, um, uh, specifically Jamstack Radio, and then also um, the GitHub the README Project uh, podcast. Yes. Yeah. So um, I'm curious about those, and uh, maybe you can tell me tell me the inspiration for those. Yeah, yeah. And the the third podcast I do, and I do too many,
1: This uh, developing story. Was my <laughs> original podcast I started when I learned how to code. Uh, so I was sort of talking about my story of how I learned how to code back in 2013 um, and eventually turned that into an interview podcast where I interviewed other folks. And I've taken that same sort of model, but instead um, I now focus on Jamstack companies and community members uh, of Jamstack radio. And uh, that's what I do. I interview folks that are involved in the sort of JavaScript ecosystem front end web dev. uh, And sometimes like we get some Kubernetes and like Docker folks or back end heavy folks on there as well. and then finally, the Reebi podcast, which is a podcast for the highlight—you know—folks doing really cool things on GitHub. So whether you have a, a project maintainer or you sort of went from zero to hero to now fully doing open source full time, um, those are the folks that we reach out to on those podcasts. So um, reach out if you if you want to be on any of those. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Definitely. Yeah, that's all. I um, was just listening to uh, the README project uh, right before this. And um, it's really cool to hear uh, about kind of where people like where they were in their lives, like to get to you know the project they're working on. And I think um, it has a really interesting take on like, you know, what people were, you know, thinking and doing um, to get to, to the technology that they made, as opposed to just talking about, you know, how how the technology works. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, what I learned from just interviewing all those folks, and like some folks that folks like you've heard of, like the creator of Vue, Evan like everyone's story is pretty different. Like even if you had a CS background and you you know got your your master's or maybe just got a regular CS degree, got your job or internship, everyone's story continues to always diverge from different paths. There's no structured path. There's no sort of certification when it comes to web development or even just general engineering uh which what that's what makes the the podcast so interesting and one second i'm gonna unplug this thing
0: that's all right (laughs) um totally uh yeah so i guess um i mean we could talk about podcasts a lot so well i'm i won't ask too many more questions (laughs) i i guess i'm kind of curious um you know kind of what is your process as a host like how do you prep i mean uh for all of these different podcasts, especially different, you know, stories, like you were saying, like what's kind of your process of getting prepared for each one of those interviews?
1: Yeah. So I mean, I do so many of them. So with the uh the this developing story, that one's low prep. It's more of I DM friends or DM people I see on Twitter. And I the prep is I only ask three questions the entire podcast. It's who are you? What do you do? And how did you get here? Uh and that's the DIS developing story thing. Uh, with Jamstack radio, we actually have, we, we share a, uh, paper doc, which is Google. Google's like, sorry, Google, uh, Dropbox is, um, like similar to notion. Um, I'm pretty sure both companies don't want to be compared that way. They don't awful yeah. job with that, but <laughs> basically I sent a quick doc and, um, I've got a couple questions. They've got a sort of release to be able to be on the podcast because we do a lot of editing. Uh, and that's actually produced by heavy bit, which is an accelerator in San Francisco. So, a lot of the sort of prep work is all up front. And then I sort of hand it off to editing, and then it gets shipped uh, in like a, a, either a month or a couple weeks. And, um, but I, I try to do very limited like research on the projects and the companies that I talk to, mainly because I want to go on the same journey with the use with the actual listener, uh, who's maybe never heard of like a I don't know a log rocket, uh, which y'all have not been on the podcast before, but maybe they haven't heard a log rocket. So then we go through just the, the the conversation of as a new user myself, going through asking questions and trying to figure out you know how would I use this and what use cases and how can I get started quickly. Um, and then finally, the Read Me podcast, like the secret sauce is that we have a production team at GitHub <laughs> so it makes it easier. So they're, they're reaching out to guests. Uh, I do a lot of intros as well because I know a lot of folks in the industry. Um, re- reaching out to guests. Uh, and then we do similar. We have a, a doc that we sort of propose questions that sometimes we share with the, um, with the guests. Sometimes we don't. Um, but it's a similar sort of like figuring out, learning the story. And what's interesting about that too, as well, is like we we tend to go on paths that aren't expected, because I think a lot of technical podcasts they they talk really deep in the details, and we get technical on the podcast. But uh, I also get to learn about like background history and stories. And I mentioned Evan, Yu. like I didn't know that he his first job at Google uh, before even doing uh, view or anything like that was actually doing the Google Doodles. Um, he was on the team to create those things.
0: And which is oh, like cool. mind
1: blowing. I'm sure he's probably yeah. mentioned that before, but I I missed that part of the story. Uh, sort of seeing him sort of glow up when it comes to Vue, but also learning that he didn't have a CS background. Uh, he had an art background, which is why he started doing the Google Doodles. Which is why he started getting really deeper in the code, and which why he filled, figured out a framework to get those stuff get things shipped faster, uh, which was Vue. Um, so that story is fascinating, and once you get to have all those pieces in like one conversation. Um, I know this is not answering your original question, but I'm just saying this, the prep work and everything like that, usually when I'm going into the conversation, I'm thinking of like, what would be the aha moment? Or I think Scott Hanselman told me this, uh, he hosted the Hanselman podcast and was like, what's the sort of driveway conversation? So if you're in a car, you listen to a podcast and then you get to the driveway of your house and you don't want to get out of the car because you want to finish the podcast, like what would be the thing on the podcast to keep you in the car? Oh,
0: that's it. I haven't heard that. That's a good tip as a podcast producer. I should I should know what that is.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool. Um, yeah, Evan, you, I, that, I didn't know that either. That's a really cool story. Um, and we have reached out to him to come on this podcast. So Evan, if you're listening, um, you can follow up this story, and uh, we can talk more about it. Um, great. Uh, OK, so you recently wrote a blog post, um, kind of three areas to focus on as a developer in 2021. Yeah. Um, and you also had a video as well. Um, and I really like one area there, uh, which you coined Dev Talks, so developer TikToks, um, which I haven't heard that term before, and I love it. Um, and it was kind of you know encouraging people to make more videos and just kind of be there um, in a digital space. Um, I really appreciate that. I think that's really interesting. Um, One, I love TikTok. I love watching TikToks. Um, I also feel like, uh, and this kind of speaks to my earlier point, like um, a lot of these podcasts, we're kind of all talking to each other. (laughs) And um, so like, I noticed you just had James Quick on, um, you know, and then he just had Jessica Chan on, who we just had. And um, so it just feels like there is a need for more people to like talk about what they're working on. And it definitely is, I mean, I mean, You know, we there's such a great community of influencers and uh, dev advocates already, but there's definitely um, room for more, is what. um, And I really for sure, yeah,
1: yeah. And it's the same thing. Like uh, TikTok's great. Follow me, BWO, on TikTok. but like it's the same thing when it comes to conferences. Like You'd see at the JavaScript conferences, the Git Nation conferences, you see the same folks that end up showing up every year or every single conference. And uh, it's the same thing when it comes to podcasting because not everybody wants to be on a podcast. So the folks who are on podcasts tend to get invited to other podcasts. Uh, right. and it's the same thing with open source. The folks who are doing open source can get invited to do more open source. Um, but with that being said, I what I like about TikTok right now and what's happening is that it's very much a younger demographic and it's very true when it comes to even technical content. Um, so the majority of the folks that are killing it on TikTok per, se, per se are college students because uh, they understand the audience, they understand the memes, they understand how to correlate that into funny jokes about Java or whatever, or classroom settings and stuff like that. Uh, And those are the, the, I I think the original folks who are doing well on TikTok when it comes to technical content. Now there are some advocates and other engineers who have now jumped in and are doing really awesome content, which I highly recommend Uh, find that blog post, which maybe it's in the show notes uh, and follow everybody I mentioned there. Um, But what I like about it is like, I'm now engaging a different, Audience, and it's the audience that, like, I think we're really focused on at GitHub, um, which, like, GitHub, we don't have a awareness problem. As I mentioned before, the job's kind of easy when it comes to getting people to sign up for GitHub; it's already a done deal. Um, but where we we do need help on is like getting people to use the next level of GitHub. So, how the amount of bootcamp students I've talked to who are like, "Yeah, I know GitHub; I have an account." But like, I don't know how to use Issues. Like I didn't know you could open an Issue with just any open source project. Or I didn't know you could even contribute to any open source project. Uh, and there are some sort of rules of interactions with projects. Like how to contribute is in a contributing in MD. Um, that's something that maybe not everybody knows. So how do we educate the masses or maybe new developers on how to use GitHub like, in the next level way? Uh, and I find what I like about TikTok is that that's the audience. Like These are all the new newest developers coming through, graduating college. Learning how to code, uh, maybe then na- they navigated because one of their YouTube um, teachers or egghead courses. Um, they followed them. They found that they had a TikTok. Now they're on TikTok, and now they're finding other people. And the virality, like TikTok's algorithm, is actually, when you look at it, when you think about it, it's actually pretty basic, um, and it actually lends itself to actually, like you could be a nobody, publish your first video, and get ten thousand views, and then a thousand followers uh, within a week, and that's what's kind of where everybody can be famous. That's what's kind of driving why TikTok is so big, uh, so fast.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like that. It's, uh, your, your feed can be like anybody, like you were saying, and it, it you don't have to be like famous to have a famous, uh, TikTok video, which I, I appreciate.
1: Yeah. And it's um, there. I think there was an article actually, I forgot who, um, uh, who did this article. Maybe it was, a. Uh, BuzzFeed or somebody, but talking about the TikTok algorithm and how it could be problematic because it can start learning what you like. Uh, So if you watch a lot of sad TikToks, it'll send you more sad TikToks, which (laughs) could be a problem. Um, But it's the same thing. Like the reason I didn't want to use TikTok for the longest time is because I thought it was all dance videos, like just, you know, teenagers, um, stay at home moms all doing the shuffle. And I'm like, oh (laughs) man, I did the shuffle in like in college. I don't need to see now someone's mom doing the shuffle. But what's cool about the algorithm is that once you stop watching, like once you swipe past the, enough shuffle videos, they stop showing you videos, which now all the content I get on TikTok is technical content. People talk to me about code and stuff like that because that's the stuff I like. And uh, I I get very very rarely do I ever see any dance videos anymore, which is quite intriguing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. So it's actually pretty sensitive if you can like swipe through a couple and then it changes.
1: Yep. Yeah, I'm actually, so I work on the side project called Open Source, and I'm trying to rebuild the TikTok algorithm, um, but for open source projects. So rather than swiping through videos, you're swiping through projects to contribute to. It's a long process. I'm slowly building this live on Twitch, BDUGEO um, on Twitch. And um, I'm, I'm, we're actually talking through, well, actually tomorrow we'll be chatting through a bunch of the contributors and myself. We'll be chatting through how to work the algorithm to make it so we're starting to recommend projects to folks.
0: That's awesome. That's great. And that was actually, that's a great segue to uh, my expression, which is uh, your project open Um And uh, we're actually, um, we just had Anthony Campolo on not too long ago. Um, uh, he was one of the first people uh, to like tweet about us and be like, hey, uh, LogRocket has a podcast. <laughs> so we're uh, big fans. Um, but yeah, tell us about uh, open sourced.
1: Yeah, so it's funny because it, it's full circle because you talked about how I got to GitHub. The talk I gave at GitHub Universe was actually about the GraphQL API. And the project I was talking about was open source. So, oh, in order funny. to learn how to use the GraphQL API for GitHub, I built a project to, re- to basically take notes on contributions I was making for projects. Because a lot of times, like, I think the, um, the limitation I have with open source is like I want to get involved. I don't have time until the weekends. So what I do is I save a lot of issues. I store them in like, different docs or spreadsheets. I've, I've done quite a bit different like, forms of trying to save notes. And then I ended up just building open source so that I can just save issues that I can contribute to later. Uh, but not jump on them on, like, on a Tuesday uh, where I know I can't get to it until Friday. So I'm just going like, to put it there, see if anybody comments, and then do some like triage work in silent like in the background and then once i've done enough work then i'll i'll comment on the issue and be like hey uh, i did a little bit of triage found out the error is here uh do you mind if i take this they say yes i open up pr and merge merge it in by sunday so like that's my pattern for contributing open source projects and uh so i wanted to recreate that and something that i could share with other folks which is now open source and we've since pivoted from just well the feature of Storing issues in repos, it exists, but we went and now solved a problem of, and I say we because it's a team, a handful of us, just random people on the internet who've joined me in my Discord to talk about this problem. But the the focus is now we, if you don't know what where to start, like how do we we sort of feed you some stuff to start with?
0: That's awesome, yeah. Um, and you know, we had uh, quite a few guests in the open source space uh, to start out on this podcast. Um, Js uh, Redwood.js, um, and a big problem is, well, not problem, but there is always a need for more contributors, <laughs> and um, I think everyone is kind of aware that, you know, it may not be the easiest thing to, like, to contribute, so, um, no, that's really awesome, and, uh, yeah, and, um, I guess kind of along those lines, I guess, wh- how do you uh, picture, like, I guess, open source in general, maybe the future of open source, like, um, you know, future of contributions that sort of thing
1: yeah and I think it so I have a I have a vision but my vision <laughs> also is only is relevant for me and people like me um, so like same thing with like getting into engineering it's everybody's got a different path whether you need a degree you don't need a degree you go to boot camp it's all different so open source is all different and I think where, where the future is heading is that centralization into thoughts and ideas for how to manage contribution how to manage the project like I think everybody's sort of central like Got the idea of do a a pull request. That's how you can get review. You can comment in line, whether you use GitHub or GitLab or whatever, whatever flavor of Git provider you're using or SVN, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, So like we've solved those problems. People know how to communicate. But when it comes to how do you get your project notice, like how do you get your project to get contributions? How do you maintain those contributions and keep people interested. Those are all problems that are being solved right now in real time. And uh, where I see a future is that now we'll have like these sort of recipes. So if I get a project that sort of takes off, uh, I just spent some time on my stream yesterday looking at new open source projects. Uh, And there was one for recipes. Uh, It was like a sort of fork and then deploy using Docker Compose to like a a Heroku or something. And uh, you have a recipe builder. Um, So you can now, Story recipes source from other places, and it's like a community, which is kind of weird because like <laughs> you gotta host your own stuff to make your recipes and stuff like that. But there's enough people who are interested in doing this that they've done this, and it's a nice place to learn how to code and learn Python and Django. Um, so with that being said, I see a lot of those project those projects now being sort of sanctioned as proper open source projects because it solves a problem, um, and they've mostly been ignored. But it solves a problem, but it also has an opportunity to like grow a community around it. So I see a lot of the like the what Discord is doing right now with open source and inviting open source projects to join discords and get free Nitro or whatever they call it on Discord, um, that that's that's changing access and, and privilege and like it, it, it makes it a lot more approachable for folks to be like, hey, I'm new here, um, I don't want to take any of your time, but like if you have need any help, like let me know where to go, like and start. And I think more and more maintainers are now. Taking in more folks because everybody's now like you mentioned Blitz.js. Um, I actually we actually learned how to code the same way. Uh, we both went to the same program called Block. Um, and uh, years later, I'm working at GitHub. He's now has a, a larger a large open source project. And I guess what I'm getting at is like the folks who are leading open source, the future of open source, are new programmers. So as long as we can sort of educate everybody who's learning today on TikTok on you know twitter or whatever it is uh educate them this is how you can approach open source then i think the future open source would be a little more open um and i think there's some of the stuff exciting stuff i can't talk about yet but with things like we're doing with diversity in open source and so some projects and partnerships with hbcus like that's going to help um sort of change the sort of culture because like the one thing i've always kind of rubbed me the wrong way which when it comes to open source is like everyone feels like there needs to be there's like a mantra of like whether it's like the FS, uh, the Free Software Foundation or, you know, the Open Source Software Foundation or whatever foundation, like that's cool. But if I'm just like looking at TikTok and learning how to write JavaScript, like I don't know any of that. And I don't care if free software means a license and this and that and that. Uh, if it comes to open source, what I care about is like, can I use it and can I contribute? Can I be part of the community? And I think the if I could summarize everything I just said, uh, the future open source is basically no more gates, like remove yeah. the remove the removal of gatekeeping. Um, so it doesn't matter where you come from. Everyone has a, uh, a place to contribute into open source.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. I love that. Um, I actually went to a, I was a bootcamp grad. Um, and, uh, I think even just, I mean, that was, that's been like five years ago now. Um, n- not even probably four years ago. And, um, I think even just uh, from when I graduated, that to now, um, I don't know if it's maybe because I'm like more involved uh, in the community around, um, you know, technology. But I think it's definitely uh, it seems um, fewer gates, at least uh, from my from my perspective.
1: Yeah, and it's it's yeah, it's pretty fascinating stuff because I felt like I I kind of had my my story in the open source was kind of similar to most people. Like I, I learned GitHub through a bootcamp. I didn't know you could open up issues in random projects. So when I went to when I found a project that solved a problem specifically that I wanted to solve by Monday, which I was like just doing work on a project on the weekend, um, I ended up emailing the maintainer. I went on GitHub, found their the the profile of the maintainer, emailed him. And was like, hey, can you help me? I don't know anything about this Node.js business. Uh, and he responded. <laughs> and today, emailing maintainers, I think it's probably gonna not I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it, but today my recommendation is like, you know, read the contributing MD, find out if they have a Discord or a Slack or something similar. Find out if there's like a place you can ask questions if it's Stack Overflow because it's a larger project, like go ask us how, ask a Stack Overflow question and then take that link and then post it in the Discord. Uh, the amount of people that just sort of post this, like a question into like a chat expecting a response, um, it's pretty high. And I think if you have a, a link to an issue or a link to a Stack Overflow question, you get a better uh, rate of ret- like a return on your investment. But also the maintainer sees, oh, you're helping out the project by asking your question publicly where then I can have the answer and then I can link to it in the future. And uh, like making it easier, making things scale. Um is like one of the best things you can do to if you want to be introduced into open source or a project.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, so with all of your, you know, content and, um, you're writing blog posts, you're doing podcasts, you have a YouTube channel. Um, I guess like one, I'm kind of curious, like, where do you know where to put what, <laughs> um, like, uh, I guess, you know, video Twitch, TikTok, YouTube, I guess, where do you know kind of where to put, um, put all your stuff.
1: <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a good question. It's, it's funny. Cause I, I have a newsletter that I was going to be writing about that actually thought. Um, cause I didn't know like TikTok, I didn't know what to do with it. Like I, I had like one meme, meme video I did with my daughter. Uh, I've since made that private and then I switched to tech content. Um, but then like the tech content, what I noticed is like, if I'm just like on there and say, Hey, you ever heard of GitHub? Did you know you could do this on GitHub here? Point and click here. Like that content kind of doesn't do well, very well on TikTok. Uh, folks who, that it does well, if you already have a bigger following, like you can sneak those in and people will be okay with it. But TikTok is more about culture and memes. Uh, and those are the things that are going to be more viral. So if you're asking a question, actually Shimmy, uh, who, uh, she's on TikTok and she, I first found her on TikTok because she was making a lot of jokes around the questions she gets asked at conferences and she would like wear a Pat- Patagonia vest and some like aviator glasses and pretend like she was, um, a tech bro. And I thought it was hilarious because it's like, oh yeah, I've definitely, I've, I know I understand this culture. I understand the, the joke here. Uh, and whether it's for you or it isn't, like I, I guess what I'm getting at is that she's making jokes about developer culture and community. Um, and it's in, in a fun way uh, on TikTok. And that's what kind of grows audience and a brand. I think MongoDB is doing a great job job on that on TikTok and as well as Shopify. They both have TikTok accounts. But as far as like YouTube, Twitter, um, what I've done is I've tried to essentially try to not basically create these different channels uh, where I think things will work. So because conferences were shut down uh, for shortly now, we've got remote conferences and now some in-person at this point. Like the very first conference I did in the pandemic, they asked, hey, can you create a video and then edit yourself uh, and then give it to us and we're uploaded? And I'm like, oh, wow, I've, I don't even know where to start. Like, how do I get the camera and my screen recorded at the same time? What do I use? So I learned all the stuff in a year. Like basically from that one conference that I did very awfully, I was like, okay, I need to learn how to edit a video. How am I gonna do that? I'm gonna make YouTube videos every week. And then I'm gonna learn how to edit while I'm making these random YouTube videos. So uh to answer your question, like I tend to do like more culture and conversation uh on YouTube. Uh for GitHub's YouTube, I tend to do a lot more like Technical tutorials and like quick interviews, like this interview, but I'll do it with a PM, and we'll do it in video format. So like think of podcast, but video. That's what I kind of do a lot of on the GitHub YouTube channel. On Twitter, it's just a free for all. It's it's whatever. It's culture. It's <laughs> it's content. It's links to newsletters. Um, but I guess to to answer the clearly answer the question, like I kind of have figured out the channels where technical content will go on YouTube. Um, and then fun stuff will go on TikTok, um, but for the most part, I, it's always changing. So, like, it's gonna. If you ask me again in three months, a bit. Like, oh, you know what? I figured out this is the only type of content that's working on YouTube. Which, when I first started doing YouTube, it was only conference talk style videos, but yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a YouTube form. And what I found that gets the best engagement is hands down technical content. So, if you do series based content of like, here are three three videos of how to set up X Y Z, um, or two videos or one video. Like that's gonna do, do the best. It gets the most click through, it gets most engagement, it gets the most come like follow through. And um, the my my internal like pitch for us doing YouTube content was recipe content. So like when I go make cookies, like the first thing I do is I go to Google and I learn how to do the recipe. And what happens is I always go back to that same recipe because it worked. Uh, right. so when it comes to technical content people go back to the same technical content over and over again. So what we see is the return view, viewers and users, um, they'll come back because they want to find out, like, two minutes in, Brian said this. So I'm going to go back and watch that video and then get unstuck. Um, so I guess that sort of answers the question. But again, it's you ask me again in two months, it'll change.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you actually talk about that on um, Jamstack podcast, The uh, how a lot of <laughs> developer advocates had to... Um, Return to their YouTube channels, and there was um I use the term uh conference talk graveyard, <laughs> which is great. And then it's like we with COVID, it was like okay, so now we have to yeah revisit uh video content and um so and log rocket certainly was not immune to that. So um,
1: yeah, which is it's crazy because it 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 kind of kind of like showed how much we lean on conferences when it came yeah. to like developer relations. Because I could go to a, a conference a month and my job is done. Like I'll have lots of engagement if I get one keynote like a quarter or even twice a year, then like I pretty much we're, we're good to go. That keynote's going be it's going to be seen. people are there, we make ne- we network, make community, have connections. So then it's now turned into now we're moving the conference graveyard and now we're sort of cleaning up and weeding the garden and actually now just have this have this sort of con- content garden now of people can sort of come and, and go which is now intriguing and I got some pushback on Reddit when I posted this on the, the developer advocate, developer relations, Reddit, um, which was, I don't think conferences will be the same. I don't think we'll have as much investment as we did prior to the pandemic. Cause now if you ask me to go sponsor your conference or someone else's conference and they're like, Hey, we can give, we can get your email in front of, you know, 20,000 of our Twitter followers. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. But GitHub has 2 million Twitter followers. So like, what are we what are we really asking for here that's not you're not selling me on anything and if the question like oh we'll get it in front of our our 10,000 subscribers on youtube well github has 200,000 like it, it's not it's not a flex really but it's more of like okay what are we doing here like i don't think i don't think github github will sponsor conferences for a good reason like we still are but we're sponsoring less and uh so now when it comes to conferences like what is the selling point like how and this is for all you your conference organizers what happens to the video once the talk is done? Like, how are you promoting it after the fact? Because if, if you say, we're going to have an email campaign, we're going to create blog post, we're going to have you on the podcast after your, your conference talk so people can go watch the conference talk, and we're going to continue to point people to that until the next conference, then you got, yeah, I'm sold. Okay, cool. Sign us up for 10K. We'll, we'll be there. But a lot of conferences aren't doing that. A lot of conferences is like, hey, we'll tweet you. And uh, then GitHub can retweet that, and then we, GitHub gets better engagement on our Twitter account than maybe these conference organizers. So uh, with that being said, I think we have to now think about the difference and the, difference appro- the different approaches.
0: Sure, yeah. And you're like, hey, now I really like to edit videos. So <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing too as well. It's like we're, we're partnering with Hacktoberfest. Uh, so all the content I'm doing for Hacktoberfest, it's going to live on GitHub's YouTube because uh, we were, we're already... I I joke, I say, feeding two birds with one scone, uh, we're doing that. We're going to get YouTube content on GitHub, we're going to teach people how to get involved in Hacktoberfest, and then everybody wins. And uh, there's no reason for us to, like we are partnering and sponsoring and stuff like that, but there's no reason for us to like, you know, shell out millions of dollars on these different engagements when GitHub could very like easily do the same thing. But I think what the biggest thing about my team at GitHub and what we've done uh, is we try to scale everything. So how can we scale these interactions, these engagements without feeling like it's a whole production just to get one thing shipped?
0: Sure. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah. I, I, I completely agree. Um, and then, okay. So kind of along with these lines, um, so I was, when I was researching you, um, you have a lot of, uh, your, your brand is kind of pizza oriented (laughs) and I think that's probably from open sauce, but, um, I guess, uh, I think you've done a really good job like with your personal brand. Um, And that was that intentional or kind of tell me about, about that. Oh, uh,
1: thanks for noticing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, it is intentional. Cause like even before we hit record on this podcast, you asked, do you go by Brian, do you go by B Dougie? And I, I usually default to with B Dougie, but I give people the out if they're like, ah, it feels uncomfortable to say B Dougie. Or sometimes if you have a different dialect or accent, Dougie doesn't really roll off the tongue. Uh, So feel free to call me Brian. But I intentionally do that because Brian Douglas, if you Google Brian Douglas, you'll find me because I've done a good job of like cornering the SEO market and juice for Brian Douglas. But if you Google Dougie, you find me pretty quickly because I am the one B Dougie that's doing anything. Now, there is a Dougie on Twitter. So if, if this goes out on Twitter, please don't at Dougie at BWO <laughs> instead. Um, but the amount of people who follow him because of just what I do um, is actually pretty hilarious. I should actually interview him and see... What, <laughs> Yeah, he sorry. He's a, he's a dad who, who plays, uh, Xbox. So, which is in his, his bio. So, <laughs> um, but it's like a tongue in cheek thing we've had for years because people came at mentioning him. But for the, like the pizza thing and even like, even different, like I call myself a Beyonce advocate. Like that's something <laughs> that I started doing as soon as I joined GitHub. And it was because, um, the Brian Douglas thing, it's kind of forgettable, two first names. So, I always introduce myself as a Beyonce advocate because you're going to remember the guy who mentions Beyonce. The amount of times that people call me Beyonce or send me Beyonce songs in my DMS and stuff like that. And then tell me happy birthday for Beyonce a couple of days ago. Like that's a thing that I just sort of started doing because when I gave that first conference talk in 2018, when I mentioned Beyonce for the first time, I happened to be listening to a lot of Beyonce and I, I was, I never grew up like I didn't listen to a lot of Beyonce growing up or in college or anything like that. And I found out that Beyonce is actually a pretty four dimensional person like she has a lot of thought in like the, her writing and the dancing and her life and once I started learning like more about Beyonce, I was like really fascinated and uh, the thing I do like I jump into Beyonce advocate because at github we've got sixty five million users worldwide. Beyonce has a lot of listeners worldwide like more than that so with that known, like Beyonce does a lot of good will for the community she actually brings a lot of people up. Um, like, she's from Houston, so, like, good old Nas X is from there. She's uh, not collaborate with her, but Megan The who's also from Houston, she collaborated with there. She brings a lot of other people up, like Chloe X Hallie, uh who's um, the Little Mermaid, Chloe, um, the new Little Mermaid. Basically, what I'm getting at is, like, I'm always looking to bring other people up. Like, I'm okay to not have 100,000 Twitter followers if I can bring up the next B-Dougie. Um, so, like... For my brand, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm memorable. People know what I'm about and what I'm, I'm what I'm getting at when you see a conference talk from me. I want to make sure that you're closing. My my joke was actually close your laptops. Uh, if if I get you to close your laptops when I'm on stage, then I know I'm doing something right. Uh, now you gotta keep your laptop open because everything's remote. But I guess the 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 thing is like if people they they connect with me because I make pizza jokes or in my Discord channel, I send pictures of pizza in our pizza channel. Like people connect through that because maybe you don't listen to the same music as me, or maybe you don't have the same degree or background. But for the most part, everybody loves pizza, so <laughs> we can all, we can all centralize on that. If you don't love pizza, I don't know if we uh, if we could be friends.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I you know I I didn't know the Beyonce thing, but that's uh, that's great. Yeah, and I love Beyonce. I love pizza, so I I definitely noticed the the branding there, and um, it worked on me. So
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's just something that um. That I put a lot of thought into when I started, when I first started doing devrel at my previous employer, Nellify. I was a big Kanye fan. Uh, Kanye just released an album, and I, everybody's got like their own quorums with Kanye, whether they like him or they love him. Uh, he's gone through different iterations iterations of his career, and um, what I realized early on, because like I'm, I'm I'm as uh, as gangster as it comes when it comes to uh, the suburbs, because that's where I grew up. But when it comes to hip hop music and even Kanye. It's mostly an act, and like if you watch a lot of the the keep up with the Kardashians, you can see how normal he is in the background. Uh, and it's kind of similar to professional wrestling. So going back to the brand thing, to notice, like you kind of have to have your gimmick, uh, otherwise you're not going to get on the title card. You're not going to get up the ladder of being able to get promoted and being, you know, in all the commercials and having little action figures for you. So professional wrestling, um, I hate to spoil it for you, but it's not real. <laughs> um but it's the the one reason why professional wrestlers like The Rock and John Cena could be great actors it's because they're already acting. And the same reason for like hip hop artists like Ice Cube and LL Cool J could be great actors is because they're already acting. Um, so when it comes to Devrell I can act like a, a 100% Beyoncé Stan which I'm going to pull back the curtain a bit. I don't actually listen to a ton of Beyonce. I'm not a huge fan, uh, but I love her music and I will promote her as much as I can because I think she's she, what she's about is real. I also don't eat a lot of pizza. I was in, <laughs> during the pandemic. I was eating pizza probably once a week because of, <laughs> of, I guess, mental reasons. But, um, but yeah, I actually, I didn't have pizza last week and I didn't have, I actually had pizza the week before, but that's besides the point.
0: <laughs> um, do you have a favorite pizza?
1: Uh, I'm actually really, really vibing with Detroit-style pizza. Now, it's pizza that I know, as a kid, Little Caesars, before they went the $5 hot and ready, they used to make a Detroit-style pizza, and I loved it, and I never had it since. And then I was watching Jason Langstar stream, and for some reason, he started diverging into pizza (laughs) and talking about Detroit pizza, and I was like, wow, that was great. Um, So there's a local shop in Oakland called Pie Guys, and they make Detroit-style pizza, which if everybody's wondering it's basically a focaccia style bread with the oil bread basically uh super thick they put it into a square pan and then they put the cheese on top so then since it's a square pan kind of like a, a brownie pan or i don't know <laughs> i don't know if you, how your listeners are u.s based or whatnot but everybody google brownies or google yeah. <laughs> pizza, it gives you like a, a crispy side cheese crust um and it's absolutely amazing
0: awesome well uh B Dougie, is there anything you'd want to share with our listeners? Have them to go check out or, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, for for sharing purposes, I'd say, like, open source, uh, I would definitely encourage you to try it out. If you haven't contrib- contributed something, open an issue, like, re- report bugs, like, if you're using something. A lot of times people just, like, they find a the bug and they work around it. Like, reporting that is always the best thing you do for a maintainer. And then as far as, like, things to promote, uh, follow me on TikTok, BDougie Yo. Uh, I swear it's good stuff. It's 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 usually funny. Uh if it's not funny, it's because <laughs> well, it's because it's too inside. Uh, I always I share my TikToks with my wife and she's just kind of like, I guess this is funny, but I don't get it. Because it's like super <laughs> developer humor. So check it out. I promise you you'll at least laugh
0: at one of them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we'll we'll include all those in the show notes. And um, yeah, thanks. Dougie, we'll see you around.
1: Yeah, see ya. Thanks for listening to PodRocket. Find us at PodRocketPod on Twitter, or you could always email me, even though that's
0: not a popular option. It's Brian at LogRocket.